Welcome, everyone, to episode 68 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and with Easter being this coming Sunday, I went online and I found some creepy Easter horror stories to share with you guys. So let's just hop right into this episode. Everyone, sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for the Ohio Unsolved Easter Special. All of the stories that I have today come from yourghoststories.com. Before I get started, this happened a long time ago. I'm almost 20, and this happened when I was about 5 or 6. At that age, I didn't know anything about ghosts, and I don't know if this was a ghost, but I can tell you I wasn't hallucinating. I'll give you a basic description of, of my house. My bedroom is the farthest room in the house. If you walk out of my room, there is a hallway that leads to the dining room. There are a few rooms on both sides. My mom's room is right next to mine, then a guest room, then my bathroom. On Easter morning, right around 4 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. It was normal for me because I would have to use the bathroom. I didn't sleep with my door closed at the time, so it was open. I never liked to use my bathroom because it was too far away from my bedroom. I'm, I was afraid of the dark. But that night, I wanted to use my bathroom. I walked to my doorway and I looked down the hall and into the dining room. And you know how little kids take pictures with the life-size Easter Bunny? Yeah, there was one in my dining room. Like, this thing was huge. And being a little kid, this was scary. The lights weren't on and I didn't want to turn them on. Being a little kid, things went through my mind like, what if I get killed? Or what if I won't get my Easter basket? I decided to not go to my bathroom, and I went to my mom's. My mom was in her bed. Trust me, I checked. I stayed in her room for about five minutes, and when I went out to go back to my room, it was gone. No one believes me when I tell them this story, and it makes me upset because it's very true. And now for our second story. My family lived out in the middle of nowhere, called the Uvedale Estates. Our neighbors were far away. The only neighbors we had at the time were the ones to the right, but nobody lived there anymore. We also had our neighbors across the street, but his wife and him were gone the majority of the time. Nowadays, there are more houses and people around the location that we used to live at. 
My middle sister and I had this little silent talk, like we both knew better not to investigate the footsteps, because we will not see anything at the end. We hear a noise, we run. We never speak about the noises that we would hear to each other or to anyone. We just ignored everything and tried to forget. She is only a year older than me, but even then, she was my little protector. Minus the noises, she would not wait on me at all. She would be gone as fast as lightning. I was six years old. My bus driver had just dropped my middle sister and I off at our house. We were both wearing our Easter dresses. I remember I had a yellow Easter basket full of candy, and my sister had a pink one full as well. We waved our bus driver Dennis goodbye, and we looked at our house. My mom usually greets us at the door, but she didn't do that this day. We both called out, Mom, but no answer. My sister and I went around to the back and unlocked and opened the back door. We set our Easter baskets on the kitchen floor and stepped into the house. We heard footsteps in our house. We looked at each other, and we took a step back and ran to the front. My sister grabbed her Easter basket and mine and st that stayed on the kitchen floor. We sat in the front of the house waiting for mom to get home. My stomach was growling and my sister was sitting next to me eating away her candy. She never shared and was very stingy. I told her, can you give me some of your candy? She said, no, I should have known better. I then threatened her. Well, if you don't give me some of yours, I'll go get mine. And if they take me, it's your fault. She then said, here. She offered me some of her candy, which was very unusual. We finished her entire basket of candy, and I was stuffed. She was stuffed, and we waited. No sign of mom, and no more noises in the house. We can usually hear if a car is approaching, because there were hardly any that would pass by. We were bored, playing with the rappers, then I heard a female high-pitched tune coming from my left and going towards my right. It said my sister's name. Nobody was there. No person to go along with the lady calling my sister's name. I didn't want to ignore it this time. I looked at my sister and I asked, did you hear that? She ignored me for a second and said, if you hear it, then what did I, it say? I asked her, how do you even know it said something? We both got goosebumps, and then I then told her, it said your name. We both scooted next to each other and were side by side, no space whatsoever. Then we both heard my name, and it came from the right to the left, carrying the same tune. We waited until mom arrived, and once she got there, we both felt at ease. We never told her a word and we just kept our not normal experiences to ourselves. Ten years has passed. This memory crept up on me one night. My sister moved north, and while I was still in Uvedale, Texas, attending school, I called her the night that I remembered this, and I asked her, did this really happen? She said yes. She even remembered where we were sitting. We both reminisced on the many times that we used to go play out in the woods and hear my mom scream out our names. But once we got to the house, my mom would say, I didn't call you.
And now for story number three. First, a bit of background. My house is haunted by my landlady's late husband, Bill. This has been confirmed by a well-known paranormal investigator whom we has asked to investigate because when I first moved into the apartment, I had been experiencing some strange activity. Bill had died from a brain tumor about three years before I moved in. He had started behaving strangely before his diagnosis, doing things that were not logical or normal. He had been a brilliant man, a teacher, and a writer. He had also been a gifted woodworker. One of the strange phenomenon that had first experienced involved a bench that he had made. Every time I touched it, it felt warm. There were, and still are, many physical manifestations, things disappearing and then reappearing where I knew that I had already looked, dishes clattering in the sink, and the occasional catching something out of the corner of my eye. Let's just say that Bill is a trickster. On this past holy Saturday evening, I had thrown my change on the kitchen counter when I emptied my pants pocket. In the morning, the nearly dollar's worth of change was neatly stacked. My landlady was sitting outside enjoying the sun. I stepped out on my balcony, and I told her what Bill had done. This is when she told me about the Easter Sunday, sometime before Bill's tumor diagnosis, when he had stolen the Easter eggs that were hidden for the family's kids because the eggs contained money. I went back to the apartment, and to my astonishment, the coins were again scattered. I think that by stacking the change, Bill just wanted us to know, I'm still here, and after I told his wife, he was satisfied. Now, story number four. This happened last year. My daughter was home for Easter, but had to return to her apartment in Eau Claire that evening. It got to be late, so we decided that we'd better get her home. We left around 9 p.m. for a two-hour drive. When we arrived, I helped her with her things, made certain that she made it inside safely, and I started the drive back home. Well, driving home in Wisconsin, Easter night, around 11 p.m., not really much for any kind of traffic. I was about halfway home, and as I was rounding a curve on the highway, I was startled to see two elderly people walking from out of the ditch, it seemed, and onto the side of the road. I noticed the woman was wearing a scarf around her head, tied under her chin, and the man wearing a ball cap. I could see them very well. My headlights shined on them long enough as I rounded that corner, and as I got a very good look at them, I passed by them and I started thinking, that seems really odd. Easter night, and from the time on my car clock just past midnight. It just didn't seem right. I decided that maybe they had some kind of trouble, maybe drove into the ditch or something, though odd that they didn't even attempt to flag me down. So I turned around to see if they were okay or needed help. I drove at least two miles past where I saw them, without running into another vehicle, and they were nowhere to be seen. I thought maybe there was a house that they could have walked to, but I searched that out very carefully too, and there were no houses even within five miles in either direction. 
they couldn't have possibly been picked up by anyone else, and certainly wouldn't have just walked into the woods. I'm not sure how to explain it, but it really freaked me out the rest of the way home. Story number five. It was Easter of 2006, and I went to Calgary, Canada to visit my parents and little brother. I used to live in Calgary, but I moved to Los Angeles with my girlfriend when I turned 19. A month before my girlfriend and I drove up to Calgary for the Easter weekend, my parents and brother moved to a new place, a little closer to the city center. This is an older area of the city, not my favorite part of town but it's a little more affordable, I guess. I remember that every weekend talking to my brother, Chris, and he would always say that he hated the vibe that he would get every time he would come home from school and he had to be home alone. He described a few of the events that took place, like lights turning off and on and the cat hissing at what appeared to be nothing. Well, he was right. The house was a little messed up. The minute that my girlfriend and I walked in the door, we felt very uneasy. It felt like we were walking into a very angry environment. Just before dinner, we were all sitting in the family room, enjoying some drinks and catching up on everything, when I noticed the cat pacing back and forth, stopping occasionally to look at the basement door that was left open about an inch or so. After a while, the cat got a little closer to the door and started hissing and growling, and its hair was standing straight up, Chris grabbed the cat and brought it into the family room with us. The cat sat on his lap and he kept his eye on the basement door. I think a half hour passed when we heard a loud slam. The cat booked it out of the room and upstairs. I whipped around and I looked towards where the sound had come from and noticed that the basement door was now closed. Chris pointed at the door and looked at me and said, See, I told you this place was messed up. Then I remembered that Chris sends a lot of his time, spends a lot of his time home alone. And this would definitely be pretty spooky if it was an everyday thing. The events that followed later that night were also quite eventful. My girlfriend and I were exhausted from our drive, so we decided to go to bed. I woke up around 2.30 a.m. and I noticed Jerry, my girlfriend, wasn't in bed. I got up to use the bathroom where I found her with her face in the toilet bowl. I asked her if she was alright, and she replied yes, and then asked me if I could smell that. Confused, I asked her what she was talking about. She said, That rotten smell. It's like rotting meat or garbage or something. I told her that I didn't smell anything, and I waited with her until she was able to go back to bed. After we got back into the bed, we heard the cat scurry up the stairs, followed by a prolonged creaking sound. Jerry and I both looked at each other for a moment, and then we heard a loud slam as we heard footsteps on the main floor, and I began to smell the faint odor of rotting meat. Jerry could also smell it. The footsteps made their way up the stairs, and the smell got worse. I remember looking over at her, and she had vomited on the comforter. When the footsteps reached the top of the stairs, the thing began to pass by our room. 
Jerry claims that she saw a large black figure pass by, but I didn't see anything. When the thing got to the end of the hall, we heard Chris yell, Oh, hell no, I'm getting so fucking sick and tired of this shit. Of course, the entire house was awake, and everyone rushed to Chris's room. He was out of bed, and he looked very disoriented and as pale as he could be. It was at this point that everyone in the house began feeling uncomfortable. There was a scraping sound that made its way back down the hall, down the stairs, and into the basement, followed by yet another slam of the door. The family agreed that we would go to a motel for the night. Chris looked around for the cat for about 20 minutes while everyone got dressed and ready to go and couldn't find him. Dad told him that he'll be fine until morning, so we all got into the van and left. When we returned in the morning, the house was filled with a disgusting odor. We packed up as fast as we could and loaded everything into the U-Haul. My family came back down to Cali with us. They lived with us for about a month until they found a little house on the beach. My brother is living with Jerry and I, and yes, we found the cat. He's here safe and sound. For now, my Rottweiler Harley doesn't care for him too much. And now, for our final story. I've debated for several years about submitting this, but I decided, since there have been several other stories relating to the same thing, I may as well go ahead. As with most of my shared experiences, I am relying on my journal entries for accuracy. Easter 2012 My daughter, Jessica, was working, and each payday would give me money for her expenses. If I wasn't home and she was leaving, she would always, without fail, leave the money in the same place, on my dresser. The Saturday before Easter, we were at my parents' house. Jessica was leaving and told me that she had left the money on my dresser. A while later, I came home and I looked for the money to put in my purse, but there was no money. So naturally, I called and I asked her where she put it. She said, the same place that she always does, under my jewelry box on my dresser. It wasn't there. I looked everywhere for that money, to the extent of rearranging my bedroom hoping to find it. I didn't. As the days went on and the money wasn't found, I believed Jessica had lied to me about the money. Later that summer, our washer quit working, so we did laundry at my parents'. Jessica was doing her laundry when she realized that she was missing $40. We searched her laundry, my parents' home, our home, the yard, her car, everywhere that the money could conceivably have fallen. It was never found. No animals were loose at the time, and there was no wind to have swept the money away if she had lost it on the walk to or from our home to my parents'. My son, Dalton, is very protective of his money, and he hides it. There were times that he wouldn't even tell me where it was, just that he had put it someplace safe. Unfortunately, that didn't prevent some of his money from disappearing. On one occasion, we had gone shopping and he forgot to bring his money, so I paid for what he wanted and he was to pay me back when we got home. When we got home, he went to his room to get his money, but it was gone. All of it. 
Our doors were locked, and Jessica wasn't home when we left, nor when we got back. I did, however, ask her about it when she came home. She said that she wasn't even aware that he had any money. She assumed any money Dalton got, I put in savings. I had asked him where he had hidden his money, and when he showed me, I realized it couldn't have been visible. Someone would have had to have hunted, and I do mean hunted, to have found it. Again, we searched his bedroom from top to bottom with the same result. January 2013. I don't remember the day, but I had $20 disappear out of my wallet overnight. Jessica and I were the only ones home that night. If she had come in during the night, I would have heard her. My bedroom doors do the haunted house thing, creak and groan. I would also have heard and felt her walking into my bedroom. Sneaking is not an option in a mobile home. The last one is by far the most in-your-face experience with money, and what led me to believe Jessica was telling the truth about the $100 that came up missing that Easter. This one I am taking straight from my journal, with minor editing of things that are not relevant. January 29, 2013. When Jessica came home last night, she laid $90 on the printer for me. $70 was for me, and $20 was for me to give my dad for gas money she borrowed. This morning, I picked it up, and I put it on the kitchen table next to my lunch. As Jessica was getting ready to leave, I asked her if the extra $20 was for Papa or for me, because she owed me a trillion dollars. She said yes, $20 was Pawpaw's, but at this point, I'm pretty certain I moved the money from one spot on the table to another. I do know for certain I picked up the money and all $90 was there. I just can't remember if I actually moved it or just picked it up and laid it back down in the same place because I needed to get my purse, which was still in the bedroom. After getting my purse, I woke Dalton for school and we went about our normal routine. Money still clearly visible, fanned out laying flat on the kitchen table. Here's where it gets fuzzy. As I was getting ready to leave, I got my wallet out of my purse, money still on the table. I could see two $20 bills and one $50 bill. But here's the crazy part. The money was blurry when I picked it up, sort of shimmering, and there was only $70. Where was the other 20 I picked up my purse and I looked under it, and there was nothing anywhere. I looked on the floor, thinking maybe that I had brushed it there the chair, something, somewhere. It was nowhere. Where was that $20 bill? I searched the house over, my coat and pants pocket, but it was nowhere to be found. I repeated my actions again. Still nothing. I was beyond shocked because I know that the money was there just a second before I picked it up. I saw it. Where, then, did it go? Then I did the typical, maybe I only thought I saw it scenario. On my way to work, I called Jessica and I asked her if by any chance she had dropped off Papa's money to him, knowing two things. He wasn't up yet, and two, she wouldn't have done that. Jessica said the last time that she saw it when she was when she laid it on the printer the night before. I called home and I asked Dalton to check the house and see if he saw it. No, not that he is a very reliable source. Then 
and I thought this. Surely he wouldn't have picked it up and taken it, would he? So I asked him, and he said no. Dalton has never taken paper money. Coins, yes, for extra lunch money. But he has never taken cash before, and after the dresser incident, Jessica started leaving the bill money on the living room or kitchen, places clearly visible to anyone. There were times Dalton would ask whose money it was, but he never picked up even a dollar. I could just not see him doing this. But I am not that mom who just knows my kid would never do that. I did explain to Dalton that the $20 is pawpaws just in case. Dalton doesn't deal well with guilt. He got the third degree twice, and I was convinced that he did not take the money. That night, Jessica and I were discussing the missing $20, and she said to me, Mom, this isn't the first time the money has disappeared. Didn't you have a 20 disappear a couple of weeks ago? I had completely forgotten about that. And then she said, And remember the $100 I laid on your dresser, and it disappeared? You never believed me either, but I did lay it there, Mom. I admitted that I didn't believe her and apologized. While we were tallying up how much money had come up missing, and there was no logical, non-paranormal explanation, she said, What do ghosts need money for anyway? The amount of money that we are aware that went missing is more than $240. I have had $20 wander off since Jessica has moved out. I've learned my lesson and no longer keep much cash on me. Well, that is going to do it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed the stories. If you could, please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A five-star rating really does help others to find us. Don't forget to share with friends and family. Make sure to join us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you do enjoy the podcast, please consider helping to support the show by subscribing on Patreon with monthly bonus episodes being available from the $5 tier. Once again, thank you all for listening, and if you celebrate it, everyone have a happy Easter. And make sure to keep your doors and windows locked, and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved. <laughs>